You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. It's Tuesday, June the 30th. I'm Ed Harrison, and this is the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Shortly, we're going to be joined by Dave Floyd of Aspen Trading. But before we talk to Dave, let's go to Nick Correa with the news of the day. Thanks, Ed. Today marks the end of the quarter, as well as an important U.S. fiscal stimulus policy designed to keep small businesses afloat during the pandemic, the Payroll Protection Program. Around $130 billion remain in the coffers, and that money becomes inaccessible if borrowers are not approved by the end of today. Last-minute demand has been trickling in before the program wraps. Fountainhead Commercial Capital, one of the PPP lenders and one that services loans at a national level, said they approved 317 loans worth $56 million since Friday. However, they're one of few lenders that are still accepting applications at this point without contingencies. Most lenders have stopped accepting applications altogether, or are only accepting applications from and working with pre-existing clients. It's highly probable that there will be funds remaining at the end of the day, and so that money will not be allocated to a business in need. At the same time, small businesses will need that money now more than ever, considering how many states are either pausing or reversing their opening plans now. Other states may be joining the ranks as more states are experiencing increases in cases, but are still not reversing or pausing their reopening plans. Maryland, Rhode Island, and Washington, D.C. are the only places in the U.S. that are experiencing a decrease, according to how the seven-day average of new cases that has changed from two weeks ago to today. 35 states are experiencing increases, and of those 35, four are reversing their reopening plans and nine are pausing. North Carolina has also paused their reopening, but their seven-day average is steady, even as cases slowly climb upward. All of our witnesses today are participating in person. We thank you for that. Today at a testimony before the Senate, Dr. Anthony Fauci expressed concern about this exponential increase in cases across the nation. We are now having 40 plus thousand new cases a day. I would not be surprised if we go up to 100,000 a day if this does not turn around. And so I am very concerned. In the past two weeks, new virus cases have gone up by 80%. Vaccination and the public's readiness to accept vaccination also was a topic of concern during this hearing. And Dr. Stephen Hahn, the FDA commissioner, said, quote, Public confidence in vaccines is so important. We have an obligation to use all of our scientific knowledge, regulatory framework to ensure that any vaccine that comes before us, whether for authorization or approval, meets our stringent standards for safety and effectiveness, end quote. According to a recent Washington Post-ABC News poll, approximately 7 out of 10 Americans said they would be vaccinated against the novel coronavirus if it was free and readily available to everyone. While that might look good at face value, Johns Hopkins says, quote, depending how contagious an infection is, usually 70 to 90% of a population needs immunity to achieve herd immunity. So 7 out of 10 Americans being vaccinated might not be enough and overcoming public distrust of authorities and of vaccines could prove to be an obstacle in achieving herd immunity. So coming back around to small businesses, this surge of new cases, the reopening slowly grinding to a halt, and the end of the payroll protection program could really jeopardize small businesses, especially those in the service sector and communities that rely on small employers. 
Since the PPP is ending, where can small businesses go to for aid? There are some options like the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program and the 7A program from the Small Business Administration and the Fed's Main Street Lending Program. But how helpful will those options be for businesses who will likely need to withstand the pressure of further depressed revenue, especially as these loans don't seem to be forgivable debt? With the U.S. continuing to struggle with COVID-19, we can clearly see the storm brewing for the economy on the horizon. And with that, I'll send it back to you, Ed. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Thanks, Nick. Dave, it is great to have you back on Real Vision. When was the last time that you actually spoke to us? You're a longtime contributor. You know, probably right around the beginning of the year or maybe the tail end of 2019. I probably did a a technical wrap on what I was looking at at the time, you know, S&Ps and currencies. So it's good to be back. And, you know, based on what we're going to be talking about today, it's it's going to we're going to kind of expand upon that. So I'm, I'm really excited to do that. Yeah, I'm really excited to do this. And as I was trying to explain to you, uh, this is a, an experiment because usually I talk to Ash Bennington. Sometimes we have Roger Hurst and uh, Ralph Powell. We're uh, all in-house stuff, and, and we want to get uh, some contributors involved. And I know that you're good on the technical analysis side. You're looking more at a short-term type of thing. And this is something that we don't talk about at all, pretty much, uh, in these Real Vision Daily briefings. And so I think this is a good opportunity to bring that into play and and also to get a sense of you know to what degree so-called fundamentals uh have a a place in how you're thinking about uh the markets so let's actually start with long bonds actually uh because you were telling me in our call earlier today that you're doing a lot more with uh rates and you see something uh relatively fundamental that's happening there talk to me about uh, why rates, long rates, or some you know ten-year uh, treasuries are things that you're interested in, and what's going on in the uh, treasury market? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, so the old saying is, you know, if you can figure out what's going on in rates, that's kind of what the smart money's doing, and oftentimes it can be a precursor. There's a couple things. I mean, I trade ten-year notes quite a bit, trade them on a technical basis. You know, I look at the yield curves and whatnot. So. You know, for right now, in terms of a trade, I like 10-year notes to the downside. I see the 210 um, spread steepening a little bit, you know, maybe going up to about 60 basis points or so from where we are right now. So that's going to put some downward pressure on on Treasury notes. You know, we closed, well, not closed yet, but we're right on the lows of the day, 139.04. You know, we could easily break 139. Um, But I think the point that you're alluding to is this a quantitative study that I came across today, as a matter of fact. So the timing of, of us sitting down today was really good. And the data was, was um, focused on five-year yields. And five-year yields right now are making a multi-year low. But the, the way the, the data was presented was, historically, when five-year yields are making a multi-year low, in um, followed or not followed, but preceded by four weekly lower closes. And if we close below 30 basis points by Thursday, since we have a shortened trading week, the the overall outlook suggests that there's going to be some mean reversion uh, anywhere from anywhere from 20 to 25 basis points on the five-year note. So we could actually see rates bump up. 
that certainly helps out my short 10-year note idea. But what you and I were talking about earlier, Ed, which I thought was really interesting, is that that also suggests that there could be some sector rotation, historically speaking, out of these large cap growth, which has dominated everything lately, maybe into like the micro caps or uh, mid caps. So given that everybody's been talking about that for so long, if we get that to play out and if it plays out historically like it has, or if it plays out as it, as it has historically, um, investors need to be aware of that. And obviously that creates a trading opportunity, not only on notes, but maybe you start rotating you know, your portfolio or you start looking at small caps and, and look, to be, look to find some technical levels that make sense because that's the trade that nobody's really looking at. Everybody's focused on more money to the big caps. So I think it's worth seeing. Let's close five years below 30 basis points this week. Then we start the month fresh. Right. Very interesting. And, you know, I want to get into sort of like the connection to the fundamentals uh, in a little bit. But I, it's a good segue to get into equities before we start talking about the fundamentals, because I know that when you're, you're looking at from a technical perspective on equities, you're looking at the S&Ps, uh, S&P 500, but you're looking at S&P 500 going lower. Can you talk to me about uh, what you're seeing there? Yeah, well, it's it, it, it's an idea that I'm floating out there. I mean, we've basically moved sideways for the past three, four weeks. Um, we, we made a run at 3,100 right before you and I were to come on, and we backed off. We're at 3,083. Um, I mean, technically, it looks as though we could move lower. I mean, fundamentally, you know, you can make the argument, but one of the things I'm trying to learn in this kind of pre-post or, you know, COVID environment, whatever you want to call it, is Try to trade what is. If you try to trade what you think is happening and you're trying to connect the in you know the non-connecting dots right now, it's just simply not working. So I'm just looking at it technically speaking and thinking it looks as though we might have one more leg lower in the S&Ps, but I think we got to get back below 3020. And given that we kind of rallied off that level yesterday, you know that that might be a few days in the offing. But maybe the jobs report on Thursday will will be the catalyst. Yeah, and you, as you were ta talking to me about it, you were talking about 3020, 3050, and 3080 levels in terms of where you have resistance and support. Talk to me about you know time frames uh, for uh, when you had that trading range 3020, 3050, and then the 3050, 3080, and what you're looking for to uh, you know uh, consolidate into that range and and to break out potentially above that range. Yeah, you know. Uh you know, for someone who's more of a tactical trader like me, where my trades may last several days or a week or two, you know, there's a part of me that also will trade on a, on a shorter time frame if those opportunities exist. And when you and I were talking earlier, you know, if we'd got above the 3051 area, which we did today, you know, we pretty quickly went up to that 3081. So from a, let's say an intraday or, you know, a couple day perspective, I want to be on the long side of the market. Now that we blew through 38, or at least we're coming back and testing it, testing it, you know, the market seems to have a bid tone to it. So my my thesis for maybe one more leg lower in the S&Ps, maybe down towards 2,800, you know, that's on hold for right now until proven otherwise. Um, right now, the market just keeps pushing through these resistance levels. And I'll be happy to kind of dance around in there until something more obvious shows up that, that might be more of a tactical, you know, week or two bet. You know, because that's interesting for me because I'm thinking about the whole story that we've just talked about 
in terms of uh, the, what I would call a curve steepening on the treasuries and then also the S&P 500 moving into a new trading range is all relatively bullish in terms of the reopening. Um, and, uh, you know, so from a fundamental perspective, I'm thinking about what the narrative is behind that. And just before we came on, you were saying that uh, FedEx released their earnings and, you know, their stock popped in after hours. That, that's a fundamentally fundamentally bullish signal uh, when you think about uh, FedEx doing well. Or do you think it's more uh, I mean, when you think about let, let's put it a different way, when you think about um, you know, technicals versus the fundamentals. How does that a, a report like FedEx enter into your mind in terms of reinforcing what you're seeing in the market? Well, I think it reinforces that, you know, while, you know, before we came on today, you know, the S&Ps were down around 30, 50, 30, 60. And when you and I had the conversation earlier today, I said, you know, I see it as a possibility we could move lower because we've been just kind of chopping sideways for the last couple of days. Well, you know, a lot can change in a couple hours, literally. You know, we rallied hard up to 3,100. Then we get the FedEx, and that's all really good news. So as a trader, it's so hard as an individual not to have an opinion about what's happening out there. And you have to basically just trade what is. I mean, you have to go in with a game plan. But the game plan right now is basically saying, you know, it's really hard to fight this tape. Earnings are coming out. They're a little bit better. Or, I mean, in FedEx's cases, they're fantastic. I don't know all the details behind it. And the price action is suggesting otherwise, and you've got 10-year notes moving lower, steeper yield curve, and, you know, I hate to say it, but you got the wall of liquidity from the Fed. You know, rather than overthinking it, even though you might be uncomfortable doing it, that's the way the market, that's the way the tape seems to be telling you to go. Right. Yeah, I think I think that is the overall message, I think, which is different from the way that we talk about it, um, normally on the, the daily briefing. Uh, let, let me ask you this, because when you talk about the Fed, I think the, the elephant in the room is the degree to which the Fed is controlling uh, market signals, that is distorting market signals. I, I'm looking at some of the charts that you sent ahead of this. Uh, one of them is about the huge gap between the Fed put and fundamentals. When you look at the S&P 500 relative to its forward earnings, uh, you know, it's pretty, uh, you're, you're seeing some serious multiple expansion there. Uh, the question is, is, you know, it, it, let's go back to treasuries in particular. When you were talking about that fundamental move in terms of the four uh, succeeding uh, closes, weekly closes, and then the gap between the five-year and the 10-year, is the Fed their action in the in the treasury market distorting that signal well it very well could i mean everything's becoming distorted because of all the liquidity and all the buying and then of course as you and i talked about earlier um you know the the possibility of yield curve control so it's going to basically not only is it going to be able to it's going to throw earnings estimates out um, all those types of things it's going to throw the ability to to fundamentally and technically trade some of these markets if you're basically pegged. Like I said to you earlier, try to try to do technical analysis on the Hong Kong dollar. I mean, what's the point? It's pegged. You know, you can get all sorts of signals you want. So um, yes, the Fed's, you know, throwing a curveball at the market. Yes, the Fed's keeping a bid under the market. And we may agree with it. We may disagree with it. But the market seems to be taking it as we like it. We're pushing asset prices higher. I think as a trader and as an as investors, 
just be aware of that. You know, don't go into the situation where you're like, I'm long and I'm just going to kind of forget about it because there are some problems and everybody always says, well, it'll be, it doesn't seem to be a problem. Well, it doesn't seem to be a problem, but at some point it will be a problem. And that's not being bearish. That's just being very pragmatic. And it doesn't mean I wake up every day and look for where I'm going to get hurt. It's just taking the temperature of the market each day. And it, but it is, it is more difficult to kind of circle back to your question when you've got this exogenous force, i.e. the Fed, pumping money into the system because it, it does distort normally the way you interpret the market. Right. I mean, because when I look at it from a fundamental perspective, what I'm seeing is a lot of risk to the downside. You know, I was just reading about uh, people who are getting laid off for the second time in Texas because the reopening has been delayed. And, you know, there's some people who are protesting, actually, in front of uh, the governor's uh, uh, mansion saying, mm -hmm. you know, we want you to, to stop this uh, reopening from being uh, dialed back. And that's obviously negative for the economy. You have other risks in terms of stimulus rolling off and things of that nature. But, you know, the wall of liquidity that you were talking about that the Fed is hitting, that's what's controlling the tape potentially over this period of time now. So how do you think about then looking forward when you see a fundamental picture that is a little bit more dicey uh, when the, the technicals are moving in the opposite direction? Well, kind of like I alluded to earlier, and I'll just kind of maybe, you know, for the, uh, for, you know, kind of for the impact effect of, of television is just basically trade what you see right now. Be aware, you know, have it off on the, on the periphery that, you know, I know there's some goofy stuff happening over here. People are being laid off. There's a lot of social unrest. There's a laundry list of things we can be, you know, nervous about, and, and that's okay. Right now, the market doesn't care about them. All I'm basically saying is right now the market doesn't seem to be caring about that and go ahead, trade the market to the long, I'm just speaking in general here, you know, trade the market to the long side if you want. Um, just be aware that at some point those issues could be, you know, problematic, you know, things like Wirecard. I mean, I've, gone, I've been in this industry a long time, almost 25 years. I remember what it was like in 99 and 2000. I remember what it was like back in 07 and 08. All these little things that are happening ultimately pile up and become a problem. Doesn't seem to be a problem right now, but it's it could be at some point. And that's where I think a lot of people can get too hung up and get lost in the weeds. Um, if you can just trade what is and be mindful of what's happening, you're going to keep yourself in the game and participate in what is right now seemingly a market where they're driving asset prices higher, or at least some asset prices. Right. Now, uh, on the on the downside of that, I would say that, you know, I'm looking at some of the bullet points that you uh, showed me earlier. Uh, let's talk about the VIX and the mm -hmm. term structure, because uh, uh, the bullet point I'm looking at is it says that the term structure signals a bit of worry of, uh, in S&P 500s, the S&Ps, mm -hmm. uh, not as severe as March, uh, but a current inversion nonetheless. Talk to me about that. Yeah, well, like I said before we got on camera, I know not just enough about term structures to be dangerous. And as a trader, sometimes you just have to have a periphery awareness of what's happening. But what is interesting is we just think about that logically. You know, you're, you're always going to have um, more risk the further you go out the curve because you can't foresee what's going to happen. And since March, that curve has gone from steeply inverted to a normal upwardly sloping curve. 
Well, in the last week or so, the front end of that curve has started to go up a little bit. So that indicates to me that on a short-term basis, the market's worried about something. Again, it's just you know one of those things you put on the on your on your radar. And in fact, we you know who knows over the next couple of days it could go back to flat to back to a normally sloped curve. But when I see stuff like that, that's when you have to start paying attention because obviously something's happening, and ultimately that could become very inverted. And if it becomes very inverted, the VIX is going to explode. S and P's are going to move lower. If you can kind of get ahead of that type of a move, fantastic. You don't want to get blindsided. Right. Very interesting. You know, I saw a tweet earlier today on that same level. It was saying that, you know, this is from JP Morgan. JP Morgan, uh, they, they have a, um, a the one month U.S. OIS rate, two year, one year forward spread. And he, what they're saying is, is that there's a reemergence of yield curve inversion. They say it's a warning sign. Exactly what you're saying. And it suggests that many market participants believe that the combination of fiscal and monetary accommodation already in train is not yet sufficient given the size of the shock. Very interesting. You know, I think that, you know, the takeaway I have so far before we get into some of the other stuff that you're thinking about is, is, is that the, the liquidity uh, or, or whatever it is, is, is saying that, you know, things are moving higher on the S&Ps. Uh, that's what you're trading. You're living in that moment, but in the back of your mind, you're still having these things uh, that are telling you, uh, you know, to be a bit concerned about over the longer term, you know, the market moving in another direction. Yeah, leave that open as a possibility. And once the deck starts to really stack up, that's when you start looking from a technical perspective. Is okay. Odds are starting to increase. How do I get ahead of this? Or more importantly, how do I pull back many? Maybe if I have any exposure that's quote unquote bullish, how do I start pulling that back? You know, right now, and you're, we're going to get to it, but you know, right now I've got some FX exposure that is S&P bearish. Well, I'm clearly wrong. And, you know, unless the S&Ps move lower, those FX bets will be incorrect. And that's just somewhat sometimes the way things go. Well, let's talk about that because I think that uh, you had a chart that you uh, put up on, on the DXY um, that you wanted to show us. And, and when you think about the, uh, FX, uh, you know, the chart that I'm looking at in terms of, uh, the dollar has, uh, the dollar moving higher, the, mm -hmm. the arrows is showing, you know, higher movement, which also is bearish for the likes of the Kiwi dollar, the Aussie dollar. And you're saying that there's a correlation there to the S and P talk to me about that chart the Kiwi and the Aussie dollar and the S&P? Yeah, well, actually, you know, certainly a, a higher dollar index is certainly going to benefit the euro because the two are perfectly inversely correlated. Um, does a higher dollar drive the Aussie and Kiwi dollar lower? Yes, to some extent. But the S&Ps are actually more of a driver. Precious metals are more of a driver in terms of Aussie dollar. So, I look at the Aussie and Kiwi dollar as more of a, of a quasi play on the S&Ps to some degree. If the dollar is moving higher at the same time, well, fantastic. That just adds a little bit of you know, punch to the idea. But I'll tell you, the Aussie dollar and Kiwi dollar have been so resilient since the March lows. Um, you know, it, it's hard. At some point, you're just like, oh, my God, these things are never going to go lower. And that's usually when they do. But right now, they're just under the highs. Um, but again, unless the S&Ps break lower, th these two are probably not going to go lower. And therefore, my 
my idea is going to be proven incorrect. And, you know, that's trade. Nothing you can do about that. Right. And then silver is the last idea that you have. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the chart for, for SLV, and that also uh, shows uh, silver going higher. Uh, what are you seeing there? Yeah, silver is the one thing that I'm not I'm not flinching on, so to speak. I'm pretty confident. We've, we've broken higher technically. I think we go to 20 bucks, at least on SLV, on the ETF by the end of the year. I'm positioned that way. I'm long SLV, the, the, um, the ETF. I'm also long call spreads to take advantage of that. Um, I think in the environment we're in, precious metals seem to be doing pretty well. A lot of people keep kind of downplaying them, but guess what? They keep moving higher. And silver closed today at, where is my quote, no, almost 17 bucks. So we broke out of that 1650 area where we had a lot of choppy consolidation. I like that break higher. And given the, the economic and fundamental backdrop, silver makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Uh, what is the economic and fundamental backdrop that you think is bullish for silver? Is that a, uh, is that a, uh, a reacceleration of growth or what, what, what are you seeing? I always look at the precious metals as more of an uncertainty play. And we, you could say, you know, you and I might agree, we might disagree, I might agree or disagree with other people, whether you're bullish or bearish. But the one thing I think that is true is that we're in uncertain times. Nobody really knows how things will unfold. And I think in something like that, you tend to get the precious metals to move. Um, but again, I'm, I don't want to put my quote unquote opinion or my theory too much on that. I'm just looking at the price action and I'm looking at some quantitative data that says, as of now, historic, um, historically speaking, silver is poised to move higher. In fact, silver is poised to outperform gold. doesn't mean gold won't go higher, but I think silver is going to be the better bet here. Excellent. Well, Dave, it has been a pleasure to talk to you about all of this. Uh, I really find it interesting just to think about what's happening in the market. Uh, you have a, a relatively bullish perspective on some of the price action you see. And I think that that definitely counters some of the bearishness that we've had on uh, the Real Vision Daily Briefing. And so it's good to, uh, to get both your technical perspective and also what it means in terms of where the market's going. So I really appreciate your coming on and hope to talk to you again soon. Well, my pleasure, Ed. Really enjoyed the conversation. Have a wonderful afternoon. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.